0: Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're here with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm a senior pastor uh, here. And on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors, we're so glad that you're here with us, Uh, especially if you're here with us for the very first time. If you're a guest, we always invite our guests to come back at least three times. we say three times. And here's why as I know that you don't always get the best experience on the first experience. We highly encourage you come back, check us out a few times, and hopefully, we'd like to be your spiritual family. That's kind of what we call about around here. Uh, I want to welcome everybody watching on Facebook Live as well, in digital land, or on YouTube Live, or watching at a different time. We're so glad that you joined us. Uh, we value you. We have hundreds of people who do that. You matter. So, we're so glad that you're here. Also, if you are on Facebook, will you do me a favor? Take out your phone and actually check in, let people know that you're here. One of the great ways we found that our church gets connected is through Facebook and through our connected moments. And so Sometimes when you check, you know, you check that check-in box, you can actually let everybody know where you're at, and then somebody might want to come to rise with you together. And sometimes that's a little easier. Today we are uh, in the middle of a series called "Who Am I." Everybody say, "Who Am I?" And we're just talking about really God's uh, God's perfect design and discovering God's design for us. What has been our, what we are created to be, who we're created to be inside of this world. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. And So we've been looking at some biblical characters uh, throughout this series and just kind of seeing and really working through some tough issues inside of our life. And so today we're going to be in the book of Luke chapter 22. So Luke is a gospel in the New Testament. The Bible is split up primarily into two main sections. you got the Old Testament in the first half and then the kind of the New Testament in the, in the kind of the second half. And in the beginning of the New Testament, it starts off with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to be in that book called Luke. And so it really tells the life of Jesus. And uh, we're going to look at a particular character named Peter. And Peter uh, is an interesting character. He's actually a really prominent character inside of the life of Jesus and throughout the New Testament. Um, His name didn't start out as Peter. He's actually, his first name was Simon. His birth name would be Simon, which means reed kind of flowing in the wind. And Jesus has an encounter with him and actually changes his name to Peter, which means rock. And so uh, he he was a fisherman by trade. He kind of grew up through that, through the family. He became a fisherman, and then he met Jesus, and Jesus made him a fisher of men. And so he actually becomes a part of his calling and purpose and walking with Jesus. In fact, he becomes one of the disciples and not just one of the disciples, he becomes one of the inner, kind of the inner circle of Jesus because Jesus had 12 and then he had three that were close to him. It was Peter, James, and John. And Peter is that one that we're gonna talk about today. And he had a unique characteristic. He had the personality type that was brash, that was kind of abrasive. It was a little arrogant at times. He was the guy that you would always think would put his foot in his mouth. Can anybody relate to that, right, other than me? And so he he was, I like Peter because he, kinda, he has this kind of really brash Um, kind of maybe a little bit more arrogant personality and posture about him, but he does a lot of good things for God. And so in this particular passage of Scripture, a few things have happened. So Jesus has done his three-year ministry. He's kind of towards the end. He's been betrayed by one of his disciples named Judas, and he's in the Mount of Olives praying with kind of, again, his inner circle. And he has a moment when he's actually arrested, and that's where we're going to pick it up today in Luke Chapter number twenty-two, verse fifty-four, and it says this: So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. Verse fifty-five: The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it. Now that's important because you're going to have to remember that uh, th- that when he's in this moment when he has this encounter with some of these people, he's actually around a fire, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him, verse fifty-six, in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, "This is the man; is one of the Jesus's followers." So she kind of calls him out. Have you ever had that moment where? you were in the grocery store and somebody was like staring at you and they kept looking at you like they know you. You know what I mean? Isn't that weird? You ever had those weird encounters and then they're like, aren't you, you know, Stacy from something? You're like, no, that ain't me at all. It's, you just made it awkward. So anyway, yeah, that's kind of what happened. And so, but Peter denied it and said, woman, I don't even know him. That's not me. Verse 58, he said, but while while, someone else looked at him, uh, after a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them, meaning the, the disciples that were close to Jesus. She, he said, no, man, I, I'm not. I'm not, Peter retorted. And f- verse 59, it said about an hour later, someone else instead, this must be them because he is a Galilean too. So he has three moments with three different people and he denies Jesus' Basically, uh, affiliation three different times, and in verse sixty he says this, uh, "I like this man i don't know what you're talking about immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed in sixty verse sixty one this is an important part because you got to understand this is Peter who was close to Jesus, who was one of his inner circle, the one that was supposed to stand with him the most, and he doesn't stand with him, in fact, he denies Jesus, and then this moment happens which is you got to feel the tension and the heartbreak. In that moment, it said, verse 61, at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. How do you think Peter felt at that moment? How would you feel in that moment? If Jesus, who was counting on you, you, and you denied him, and then he looked back at you, confirming his prophecy from before, and suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind, and this is what it was. He quotes Jesus after this. Before the rooster crows, Tomorrow morning you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. A heartbreaking moment in Peter's life is recorded. Because this is the moment where he doesn't just fail once. He doesn't fail twice. He fails three times. He has this moment with his Lord and his Savior where he should have been the one standing with him. In fact, he he proclaims that he was going to be the one to stand with him no matter what. And yet he denies him, not once, not twice, but three times. The who am I statement we're going to go, if, you have, if you're taking notes today, uh, we're going to go over today, is who am I when I failed? Who am I when I failed? If you're going through failure right now, if you're walking through some mistakes, if you struggle with failure in your life, this is going to be such a timely word for you today. So with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, we're honored that we're here. We're with you. We're, we're just so... We're just so in awe of what you're doing in our lives on a regular basis. And God, I pray that today, as we open up your word, you would speak to us in only the way that you can. That, Father, you would clear our minds. You would open our hearts. You would make us prepared and ready. And although I've prepared notes, you've prepared notes. You have a message for us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. How many of you you in here are parents? Raise your hand. If you're a parent in here, just raise your hand. You know, we're all part of a unique kind of club. Um, What's interesting about being a parent is it teaches you a lot about where you don't have it all figured out. Um, it teaches you a lot about failure. It teaches you a lot about when you get it wrong, especially the first one. How many of y'all just like, you know, the first one that came out, you're like, man, you just, you make all your mistakes with that one, right? You just like all the mistakes in the world happen with your first one because you don't know what you're doing. And uh, so you're doing what you're doing the best you can. And, and many of us have parent fails in here, you know, where you do something crazy. One one of my biggest parent fail moment as a dad, um, and dads, we I think we do this regularly. I think it's easier for us. I'm not, I don't see moms doing many failure moments as moms, but dads, we do them a lot because, you know, we're, we, we got issues. And so uh, one Time I I took my family, we went on a family vacation to Great Wolf Lodge. Has anybody ever been to Great Wolf Lodge before? It's kind of an indoor water park and really, really neat space. There's one in Dallas, and and, uh, we went to the the indoor uh, water park that is called Great Wolf Lodge. In the middle of Great Wolf Lodge, in the water park, there's a center area that has a big bucket that drops water on everybody. It also has a kind of a jungle gym where there's water spraying. But one of the coolest parts and features of this center uh, kind of uh, jungle gym area is there's big slides that kind of come out of it. And at that time, my son Titus, my third born, my son Titus, he was about three or four years old, and I'm walking in with his his hand, and the first thing he sees is that center, you know, jungle gym with the slides, and he says, Dad, slide. I do slide. I want to do slide. I said, okay, sure, let's do slide. So we put all our stuff down, and I grab his hand, and my wife's like, so honey, be careful with him, okay? He's He's three. He's four. You know, he just he's not so big. He's not like your other sons that are older. He's a little smaller. You have to be careful with him. I'm like, babe, I got this. Like, I'm a dad. I got it. No problem. No no worries. So, so she's like, okay. So I'm walking my son. We walk up the 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 stairs. And what's funny about a kid, you know, when they see it from a distance, it's a lot of fun. But when you get them closer to it, they all get a little scared. You know what I'm talking about? And so he's starting to get a little nervous, a little scared. And I'm like, son, don't even worry about it. I'm gonna be with you. It's gonna be okay. God's gonna do things. You're gonna be awesome. You're a man of God. Like I just start speaking to him, you know. And he's like, okay, you know, yeah, you know, he's all innocent. So he's walking and he steps up onto the step and he gets to the front. and We get into a line, and at the front of the line, there's two slides and there's a lifeguard there to let us know who gets to go down the slide so that they don't, you know, pile up and, and you know, start a, you know, 18 car pile up and have just issues. So she's looking down and she says, It's a teenage girl. She's looking down. And she's a little. You know, short little thing. She's trying to like make sure everything's going good. And I'm like, okay, well, can we go now? And she's like, okay. And so I set him on the, I get Titus, I set him on the kind of the lip of the slide. I said, are you ready? And he looks down into the, the slide had like a, a, a covering on it and then it immediately turned right. So it looked super dark. It looked like you were going to go straight into a dark black cave. And so he looked at the thing, and he turned around. I'll never forget. He turns around, and he looks at me, and he goes, Daddy, no, no. And I said, I said, don't even worry, son. It's going to be okay. So again, I start prophesying over him. I'm like, speaking life into him. I'm like, you're the head. You're not the tail. You're above and not beneath. God's going to do it. And I start like quoting scriptures and stuff, and I'm like, I'm like speaking life into him. And at that time, I didn't realize the lifeguard was yelling at me to go, and I didn't pay attention. So she comes up. Which right. She should have done this because I wasn't paying attention. She walks up, and she goes, hey, and I'm a little skittish. And so I got a little nervous, right? So I, at that moment when she screamed at me, she scared me. And my natural reaction in that moment when she scared me was to lift my leg gently and put it on the back of my son Titus. And, and I, I kind of I gently and lovingly like shoved him into the, I did not kick him into the slide. I just want to be clear about that. I didn't kick him. But I I, sho- I I shoved him down the slide and he gets on that lip and he turns and it, the worst thing happened. So when he hit that turn, he didn't he's never been on a slide before. So he didn't really know how to keep his balance. So when he hit that turn, the turn made him slide and spin upside down. So now I see him come out of the chute at the bottom, I'm like uh-oh. And I see him come out of the chute, and he's upside down, starfish wide slide like this. Just just on the way down the side and I saw his face and the only way to describe his face is like this. He's like... (gasps) Like this, you know, and he's going down the slide, and he's, he's like, I'm like, oh, no, like, that's not good. And then I look, I, I remember what my wife had said, hey, be nice and good to my son, because he's really, you know, he's little. And I looked around for Mama Bear, because I'm trying to where she at, and I, I'm just she behind me? You know, I was like, trying to make sure she's not going to push me down the slide. And she, she's down there, and then I caught eyes with her, and I'll never forget when she caught, she and I caught eyes. This is what happened. She's literally what she did. She and I caught eyes, and she goes, she saw everything. She goes, what did you do? So she takes off running to go get T- Titus, who's now floating in the bottom of the area where other lifeguards are supposed to be paying attention, and she's not paying attention. And I'm like, hey, my son's down there. He's in the water. And Titus, I'll never forget, his <laughs> he's trying to get his like air. So she yanks him out, picks him up. He was fine, but you know, mom's over there. Now everybody's over there. There's a big commotion. The dad pushed the kid down the slide. <laughs> and so I go down, and I'm like, son, is everything okay? And Titus is like, no, it's okay, it's you know, and her, my mom, my wife is like screaming at me. And I'm like, they didn't talk to me for the rest of the day. And so I, I played at Great Wolf Lodge by myself. And um, because I didn't make the greatest decision. I mean, I, we all fail a little bit, right? We can all agree that was a failure on my part. I did not do what I should have done and been helpful with the situation. And and the truth is, is that we all in some way, you know, that might be a silly way that, that I, I failed. But some of us in here, we really have been gone through some major mistakes in life. Some of us in here really struggle with failure, and, and we struggle with not living up to the hype, not doing what we should do, and making a constant problem in our life. And I just want you to know that God created humans, and He knows that we're not perfect, and He knows that you and I are going to make mistakes. In fact, failure is very common. It's very normal. It's very human. But it can be extremely painful. As a pastor, I've been able to sit with many people, and honestly, it's an honor to get to walk through some of the major mistakes that some families have on a a regular basis, and some of the major issues that have come about inside of their life. I've sat with some of you who have had that business deal that was right at your fingertips and you made the wrong decision in the 11th hour, right? And you lost it all. I've seen the pain that comes from that, from that mistake. Some of us in here have have looked at the wrong things online. You went on for the right reasons, but you ended up in the wrong places. And I've seen people make those mistakes and walk through some of that failure. And so, Some of you still carry that. Some of, some of us in here have maybe even gotten too close to, a, to the member of the opposite sex as a married person, and you had too much closeness. You, you know it, but it, it doesn't feel right, and you struggle, and you, you carry it around. Some of us in here have said the wrong things in the wrong moment in an argument. Come on, has that ever happened to you before? Where you walked away going, man, I wish... I didn't say that. Regardless of what you fail at, regardless of the mistake that you failed at, if we don't see failure accurately, we'll never get from it what we could to get us to our next step. In fact, I would go to say that all failure is painful, but not failure is, is always equal. That there are some failure. In fact, some people... Some of the greatest people who've done some of the greatest things in life know how to see failure accurately. They can take something that they did in their life, maybe a mistake they had, maybe a a failure moment, and they can see it accurately. And matter of fact, it's how they develop gifts, it's how they improve on skills, it's how they learn something else. Come on. I would go to say that oftentimes when you and I get into something new, you can't properly learn it without failing a little bit. I remember my son, Winston, he's three, and when he first started learning how to walk, I remember he would, y'all remember this if you had kids, but he, he would stand up and he'd wobble, and then he'd take, y'all remember the first step that they'd take? They'd, they take? They step, and then what inevitably happens, they fall. And so what was interesting about my son, who is a baby, is he would step, fall, get back up, step, fall. And then I noticed over time, he learned how to walk. And what I noticed about him though, was he didn't want to learn how to walk. He just wanted to learn how to run because he could see all of his brothers run. And he was working towards running. He just had to start at taking a step. And a lot of people see failure inaccurately, almost like, man, now that you've fallen, you're not going to get to the running part of your life. But the truth is, Winston had to fall. To learn how to balance a little bit, to know what happens when you lean forward and what gravity does and get your muscles work. Come on. If there's people in here, you know this. There's some great leaders in here. You are where you are, not in spite of failure, but because of it. And if we don't learn to respond well in those moments, you, I, I'm just telling you, you're not going to get to your purpose. Some of us are paralyzed in our our failure moments, you think they disqualify you. And so for us, we need to know how to respond healthy. And so in the next few minutes that I have with you, I'm going to give you three ways, three healthy responses to our failure moments. Three healthy ways that if, something, if you fail at something, if you make a mistake, these are healthy ways to respond to it under God. First one is this, we need to learn to separate our failure From our identity. Failure is an event, not a person. Now, the opposite is true when it comes to the enemy. He wants you to think failure is a person, not an event. His scheme is to, in every moment you make a mistake, to make sure that the mistake falls into your identity category instead of your event category. Does that make sense? He wants you to think, he wants you to move from, I made a mistake to, I am a mistake. He wants you to move from I messed up to I'm messed up. He wants you to move from I failed at this to I'm a failure. That's his scheme. And the Bible is so clear with us about this in 2 Corinthians. I like what Paul says, in order that Satan might not outwit us. So we got to be smarter than him in this, that we are not unaware of his schemes. His scheme, quite simply, is to attach our identity to our failure. And God's way, God's motive, God's truth in your life is quite the opposite. As a matter of fact, he does that with Peter. In order for us to understand this, we have to go back to an earlier verse with Peter. And Jesus as they are talking it's in Luke chapter 22 it's in verse 33 if you want to take notes but he says this Peter said Lord I'm ready to go with you to anywhere you are I'm going to go to prison with you wherever it is and even to die with you so Peter says look I'm going to go with you anywhere because Jesus foretells and prophesies about him his betrayal about how people will leave him about he will be so lonely and Peter says no Jesus not me you don't, don't worry about that. I'll be with you no matter what. And I like what Jesus responds to him. It says in verse 34 Peter, Jesus says, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times. That you even know me. Jesus used his name intentionally in that sentence. Because you have to go back to what Jesus had a moment with, with Peter. Peter was Simon first. I'll read blowing in the wind, couldn't stand tall, couldn't be strong. Jesus changes his name to Peter. Jesus reminds Peter that his name is now Peter, that Peter, no matter what, even in your failure, you're still going to be Peter, that your identity is actually secured in me and not in what you do or what you didn't do. You have to remind yourself, Peter, you see what Jesus is doing? Jesus is saying, look, you're going to fail. You're going to deny me three times. In my moment of greatest need, where I need you the most, you're not going to be there. But your name's still Peter. It's not Simon. The enemy wants to remind you and make you go back to you being Simon. You're not Simon. You're Peter. That your identity is actually attached to me and what I did, not to you and what you do. That the enemy can't change it. I love what Jesus even says. He says, even you can't change your name. Even you can't change who you are in me because in me, you're a child of God. I like what John chapter one, verse 12 says. This is another passage of scripture who's speaking about what happens when we give our lives to God, when we start walking with him and in relationship with him. I like what it says. He says, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, gave him the right to become children. Everybody say children. Yeah, children of God, not, not, we're not slaves, we're not servants, we're not co-workers, we're not co-laborers, we're not uh, people who come and, and just, we're, we're not beneath anything. We're God, we are God's children, we're in his family. So now we're children of God and it's been secured by what Jesus did. So no matter what you and I did, we can let it go. And some of us need to let it go. Let our, you need to be Elsa from the first Frozen movie and learn how to get up and say, let it go. Let it go. Because if you don't, you're, you're just falling into what the enemy wants for you. Now, how many of us do that on a regular basis? Come on, let's be honest. Where you, you took your failure and you placed it in your identity, but Jesus said, Your name's still Peter. You're still a rock. Yeah, you failed but you're still Peter. In me, you're, you're still in covenant. You're still a, a child of God. And if we can grab hold of that and respond well, remember, in our failure moments, we, we separate the event from the identity. Somebody say amen. amen. Number two is this. Second way we respond healthy in a failure moment, is we learn why we fail. We need to determine why it happened. Failure doesn't just happen, just so you know. There's always a process behind it. And those I've learned, I, I've, I just, I've just seen this from great men and women of God who do something great and fulfill their purpose. They know how to learn from the failure. They know how to figure out how it came about so that they aren't destined to repeat it. Does that make sense? And some of us in here are, 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 are continually walking out failures because you didn't go back and figure out why you did it in the first place. You keep asking God to forgive you, but you haven't redeemed your mind and know why. And so you keep going back to the same thing. In fact, I like what Proverbs says that we should be, that, that an intelligent heart acquires knowledge, that, that, that you, you and I should be intelligent and learn to acquire knowledge and the ear of the wise constantly seeks knowledge, that you and I have to constantly be learning about what went wrong. You have to learn to evaluate your life. You have to learn to inspect what happened. You can't expect it all the time. You have to inspect it. What happened when that mistake happened? What, what was it that went wrong? There's some factors to our failure, the truth is. One of the factors to our failure, there's a few of them. I'll give you just a few that, that I, I kind of see on a regular basis. One of the factors to our failure is that you had good intentions, but you didn't have Wisdom. This happens to a lot of times when we're younger. Come on, how many of y'all know that? Like you do something, you thought you had a good intention, there was something good in your heart. You meant to be it to work out, but you didn't have the wisdom to accomplish it. And oftentimes it happens when we, when we start to make decisions in isolation. Or you get together with like you and one other person, and then you all of a sudden have created your own theology on something, and you made a decision... And you validated it with each other, but you're in the same area of life, and you, you have the same amount of wisdom, and you're the same-ish age, and you still do. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Not anybody in here. Other churches do that. But, but we have these moments, and you, you had good intentions, but you didn't have wisdom. My key thought for you, if you failed that way, is to learn to surround yourself with those who are older than, and wiser than you, maybe been down the line a little further than you, and then listen to what they say help me God, listen to what they say, ask them a question, and then don't give them a reason why they're wrong, I've I've noticed this with a lot of the young people that I'll try to, you know, mentor, or, or try to grow, and sometimes I'll lead, and I'll, you know, they'll ask me a question, and I'll give them the answer, before I'm done giving them the answer, they're like, yeah, but, they're all the yeah, but people, you know what I'm talking about? And I'm like, you didn't even hear what I said. You were waiting to, res- to just say something and defend your position before you even heard what I said. And so if you get around the right people, you better listen to them. Second one is this, second factor of failure is a high-pressure situation or a high-pressure season. How many of y'all have made a mistake in a high-pressure situation or a season? Come on. Where you, something happened, there was a bunch of stuff going on, and you had to make a mistake and you did the best you could and you failed at something. And so that's, that tends to happen. Sometimes we're caught in these certain situations. And my only key thought for you, if that's happened to you, be careful making life-altering decisions in these seasons. I've met in counseled with people who, like, decided to quit their job in the moment when they're, you know, at a tension moment with their, you know, their family or their wife or their kids. Their whole life's coming down, and they're making long-term permanent decisions in the midst of a storm. Can I just tell you, don't do that. Like, sometimes there's some seasons in life you just got to hang on. Can I just tell you that? If you're going through a tough season right now, it might be just hang on. There's, there's new day coming. Come on. The sun is going to set rise soon. Yeah. Just hang on and don't make life altering decisions in those moments. That would be uh, just a key thought. Third one is this third reason that we might fail is willful disobedience. How many of y'all know that sometimes you just want to just do what you want to do and then you make a mistake. I, there's a lot of things in the Bible where I like look at, it, I'm like, I just don't agree with that but I'm going to do it because I'm a follower of Jesus. And then there's some things that I'm like, man, I don't agree with that, and then I I just want to do it anyway. How many of y'all have ever had that third piece of cake? That's just willful disobedience. You know it's wrong. You know you shouldn't. You know it's going to hurt you. You know your stomach's going to not feel good. You know you don't need those extra calories, but, man, it looked good. And I had that third piece of cake, and I was just willful disobedience. You know, some of y'all just accept that. You're like, I made a mistake. I had one too many. And at that moment, honestly, my, my biggest thing would be is just, recognize that you're human, you're going to make a mistake, and just try not to do it again. That'd be my biggest thing. Sometimes, you know, when you make a mistake, they compound because you keep making the same one over and over and over again, and you didn't do what I said earlier. You didn't learn from it, right? You didn't learn why why you did it. The fourth one is this, circumstances beyond our control. Some things, sometimes you just get hit with a bad moment, y'all. I talk to people sometimes, they're going through some things, and they're like, man, the devil's after me and uh, I can't handle it, and I got an enemy, and the devil is a lie. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's all true. But you just ran over a nail. You just ran over a nail. You were at the wrong place to the wrong. Come on, like, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we over-spiritualize things, and we make it like always the devil's fault. You give the devil way too much credit. And sometimes it's just a circumstance. Sometimes something just happens. We live in a crazy world. It's fallen, by the way. The enemy is running rampant. Sometimes you just, in a bad situation, you just made a mistake. And if that's the truth, man, you got to learn to forgive them, forgive you, and do well with what you can control. Because you can't control everything. You can't control everything. And the last one is this. Healthy response to, to failure. The first one was separate our failure from our identity. The second one is learn why we fail. The third healthy response is to put our hands to purpose. Put our hands back to purpose. You need to learn to lean into the redemptive power of Jesus towards our purpose. I love Peter's life because there maybe is no more incredibly spectacular failure moment in the Bible from any character that was close to Jesus than Peter had. But I like in John chapter 21, it kind of picks up the story after Peter's failure. Again, John is a gospel. It tells the life of Jesus. And at the end of John, it gives the moment that Jesus has been betrayed. He had a joke of a trial. He was executed. He was buried. Then the stone rolled away. He's alive again. And then Jesus goes on this like, I don't know what the best way to describe it. It's like an appearance tour. He starts to appear to people. He appears to certain areas of with certain people who walked with him. And one of the people that he appeared to was Peter. And we find Peter. This is what's so funny. We find Peter exactly where we are sometimes. We find Peter going back to what he was before he met Jesus. He's fishing for fish. And Peter sees Jesus on the shore. And Peter's so excited because he couldn't believe his eyes. He realized that he denied Jesus. He was a part of Jesus' moment. Of betrayal, and he denies him, and Jesus gets murdered because of it. And he sees him in the distance, and he's like, "It can't be!" And he's so excited. The Bible says he jumps out of the boat. Come on, y'all! Y'all, y'all see what I'm saying? He jumps out of a boat, swims to shore, and Jesus's first words to Peter was why I like Jesus so much. Peter's first words were Jesus's first words were, "Hey, I'm hungry. Can you feed me? Like, let's have a meal." And Peter says, bet, I got you. He gets a fish, and he starts a fire, and he starts cooking a meal with Jesus, and they eat. And then they pick it up in John chapter 21. You don't miss this, okay, when it comes to failure. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. You Remember what you were doing before I died? Go back to that. And then in verse 16, he asks him the same question. And Peter has the same response. And Jesus has the same rebuttal to it. Then feed my lambs. And then in verse 17, he says, the third time he said it to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, and Lord, you know, this is Peter, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Peter missed it. So Peter denied Jesus and failed around a fire three times. And then Jesus is around a fire with Peter again. And he restores him three times. He reminds him. He says, why are you fishing? We've already had this conversation. And Peter wants to go back because he made a mistake. Peter thinks his mistake brought him out of his calling. Peter thinks that what he did wrong gave Jesus every right to throw him out, right? You can't work for me anymore, Peter. You betrayed everything you know. You made a mistake. Matter of fact, you didn't just betray you. You betrayed me. The whole reason we're supposed to be doing this. But Jesus showed Peter his failure didn't disqualify him from his purpose. The best thing that you can do in your moment of failures to get back up and put your hand to purpose. How many of us in here failed at something, made a mistake, didn't do what you thought you should, and you walked away from your purpose? I want you to think about that. You might be doing something right now that you don't even you don't even really like, you don't even really know about, you you don't even really care for. You're really passionate about something else. You're really passionate about, but you failed one time, and you walked away, and you started fishing again. I like what Jesus does. He doesn't just forgive Peter. He redeems him. You and I ask God for forgiveness all the time and mistakes. He forgives you. Some of us need to pray for the redemptive power of Jesus in our life when you make a mistake. I like what Corinthians says in verse 13. Chapter one, verse 30, he says, it is because, this is Paul talking about what happens with Jesus. When you when you go out walking with Jesus, he says, because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom of God, that it is our righteousness, holiness, I like this word, and he says redemption. Now, when you read that, you gotta know what redemption means. The Greek word there for redemption is it's, it's It's literally translated, this is so good, don't miss this, okay? When you walk with Jesus, this is what happens. Apulatrosis means buying back from what was previously lost. Come on. So you had a mistake. You had a failure. You lost something. And instead of going back to being a fisher, God wants you to go back to your purpose. And the way he does that is he does it around the very thing. Come on. The very thing that knocked you out. Jesus redeemed you around. The fire knocked him out. Come on. He failed at the fire. And Jesus redeemed him at the fire. Come on. And that there's something inside of all of us that we need to stop asking God for forgiveness in that moment and start moving forward to redemptive power. Say, God, you forgive me. I receive it. I accept it. But now I'm putting my hand to purpose and what I'm supposed to do. Because if anybody should have left the ministry, if anybody should have left his purpose, it was Peter who betrayed Jesus. And even Jesus comes back. And I think it was fortuitous that he sat down around a fire. I think it was important. I think Jesus was showing him, hey, listen, there's nothing you can do to get out of my purpose with you. So when you're ready, it's time for you to go back and feed my lambs. It's time for you to go back and be a fisher of men. It's time for you to go back to your purpose. Jesus could have just went on to heaven. I'm so thankful. Aren't you thankful for the redemptive power of Jesus Christ? He didn't just forgive him. He redeemed him. Who am I when I failed? I'm a child of God. Who am I when, I'm fa- when I failed? I'm, I'm a redeemed child of God. Everybody say that with me. Say, I am a redeemed child of God. Congratulations. Welcome back to your purpose. You don't have to walk in your failure. You are not your failure. God has a plan for you. And my prayer is that you'd walk it out in Jesus' name.